This is the Huddle Up Podcast with J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, and John Osher. Welcome to the new era. The Huddle Up Podcast starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast. Today is Wednesday, February 23rd. J.P. Shadrick with Jaguars.com senior writer John Osher, NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks. And here we are the week before the NFL Scouting Combine. Uh, Bucky, it's good to see you, man. It's been a couple weeks. What's up? It has been a couple weeks. I miss you guys. I'm excited to talk about the draft. Like now that 2022, well, 2022 is kicked off and 2021 is officially in the books with the Rams winning. I'm excited we can start thinking about being undefeated. We're all undefeated again. So we're good. JP, here's how I know that it's between weeks, not quite as high profile a week because you introduced me first. <laughs> it, was, it was John Osier first this week and Bucky Brooks second. Take Next a, week when we're at the combine, yeah. it'll be Bucky's show again. So I'm going to enjoy the moment, Buck. You better take a photograph <laughs> of that marquee because it, it doesn't happen too often. I'll say that. Uh, hey, you, uh, Bucky, you just came off a uh, big game on uh, NFL Network, the HBCU Legacy Bowl, Yulman Stadium, New Orleans, on the campus of Tulane University. Nice, barely new stadium down there. How was the broadcast for you? So it was cool. It was it was really cool. It was like really a great week. Um, obviously, uh, the emphasis in the National Football League has really been putting the spotlight on HBCUs. Um, and so the, the NFL and Doug Williams, Shaq Harris did a really good job of putting together a nice event, uh, gave the players a tremendous amount of exposure, but also coaches, coaches from all over were um, part of the staffs. And so you're building the bridge and the connectivity um, between the coaches, the players, and NFL personnel. So, it was, look, it was, a, it was a great week. The game was a little long, a little lengthy, um, not a lot of scoring, but it was a good experience overall. Who was the best player you think that came out of that week? Just uh, who, who helped themselves? Uh, a couple guys. Quill Glass, the quarterback from Alabama A&M. Uh, he has a chance. He might be the first HBCU quarterback drafted since Tavares Jackson was a few years ago. I mean, well, not a few years ago, a long over a decade it's been a, it's been a minute <laughs> yeah and then uh there's a kid Deshaun Dixon pass rusher from Norfolk State who has a chance to be drafted long and uh make some plays but uh not only in that game but down at the senior bowl there are a couple guys from HBCUs who have chances so I think your industry I think you'll see an HBCU player or two drafted this year um but look it's been tremendous exposure for the uh, programs I have a question for the analyst not the scout <laughs> But uh, Bucky, the analyst, and uh, you were around it, and I hope at some point to get there and kind of see it for myself. But Bucky, where do you see and where do the HBCU coaches, leaders see this going? Because for a long time, it was marginalized uh, in the sense that these sort of events didn't exist. And there was a feeling that they were completely getting shut out, that it was only Division ones or uh, FBS. Or, but now with Dion coming into it, mm-hmm. the dynamic's changing. But where do they see this ending up, and where does it want to be? Well, look, it, I mean, it's a lot of attention now with HBCUs because uh, I would give Dion Sanders a lot of credit because he put a big spotlight um, on those programs down in the SWAC and then – you know, but what you're also seeing is there's been an influx of NFL players and former NFL coaches that are taking over these programs. Eddie George at Tennessee State, 
Hugh Jackson, who's been a two-time coach in the NFL as the head of Grambling. Reggie Barlow and Eddie Robinson, former Jaguars at Virginia State and Alabama State, respectively. Bubba McDowell just took over Prairie View A&M. And so as you get more former NFL players and prominent roles there, uh, you're thinking that a recruiting will rise. And if you get better recruits in those programs, you can have more eyeballs and more guys going to see them because you can have a better product and better people, players coming out of those programs. Is the key, and is there a thought that eventually television money could really bump it up at some point, like you know, some sort of super conference or something like that? Because that's where it could really make an incredible difference, right? Yeah, the longer Deion Sanders stays and the more prominence and attention that he receives, the more that they'll put eyeballs on it. ESPN picked up every one of their games last year. It started out being on like ESPN3 or ESPN+, and then it made it way to ESPN2, and then he has some ESPN games. As he continues to bring in, look, he got the number one recruit in the land uh, coming there. He got the number four receiver in the country going to Jackson State. As you begin to get more blue chip players kind of in those leagues, the TV cameras tend to follow. So I think that is the one thing that can help it go to the next level. If they're able to secure a solid TV deal where there is more exposure and more eyeballs are on the league and the conference and you become more familiar with the players, that certainly will help it. Yeah, Dion flipped the guy, flipped the guy, right? From like FSU, stole him like right on the last day. Yeah, Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter, a big time athlete. He's a guy, look, he's listed as a wide receiver, but he can play anywhere. And there's been some conversation when he goes to Jackson State. He may play on both sides of the ball. Um, Look, Dion was able to secure him. And then he followed up with another guy that was a top player. And as more of those guys begin to, those programs begin to pull three and sometimes four star players. The level of talent rises. People start beginning to pay attention. Maybe they snatch down a, a prominent program and away they go. And so it's one of those things. But I think the big thing on these events um, has been with COVID and some of the stuff that prevented scouts from really getting on the road. If you don't have built in relationships with the coaches down there, there's some guys that can fall through the cracks. And so by having these showcase events to HBCU combine at the senior bowl, you now are bridging the gap, not only in terms of, scouts seeing the players with scouts meeting the coaches so now when you pick up the phone and you ask a coach hey do you have anybody there that we need to be aware of you now have that instant access and so you can kind of plan accordingly to see some of the best players yeah it's an incredible thing i mean it it goes to show you that conventional wisdom ain't always right because when Dion took that job i think a lot of people rolled their eyes what's he doing that'll never work and i mean it's uh He's got a chance to really change the landscape uh, for a lot of athletes, a lot of programs. And, you know, credit to him because I don't think anybody or I think very few people thought that uh, what he was doing could work. Yeah. You know, what's funny is having worked with him and, you know, being able to call him a friend. He's been coaching for about 10 to 15 years in youth league, high school. Uh, He's won like three, four state championships as an offensive coordinator at a high school down in Texas. So it wasn't like, oh, he went from off the couch to coaching. So it's something that he's thought about. And when I've talked to people on his staff who have been around excellent coaches, they laud his ability to be a leader of the program. And they would say, surprisingly, that persona that we have kind of fallen in love with, he is an old school coach who is really big on discipline and details and those things. And I think it helps. I also think now, because we, look, we've heard all the conversation in the league about black coaches in the National Football League and even in college, 
HBCUs have given guys opportunities. And I believe you're beginning to see more guys say, man, I just want to be a head coach. It doesn't matter the level. And so, and as those guys go and they show others that they can coach, it may lead to kind of a rising of more prominent coaches having opportunity because now they can go to the next level with experience and expertise because they've done it um, before at an HBCU program. All right, guys, we'll take a timeout. We return with a preview of the NFL Scouting Combine coming up next week in Indianapolis on the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome back to the Huddle Up Podcast. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, and yeah, John Osier's here as well. Jaguars.com senior writer. Much, See, now that's better. back to normal. That fits <laughs> like a glove. Uh, next week, the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. This is Bucky Brook. I mean, you have a lot of big weeks. Every week's a big week for you. I get that. But the Combine week is is pretty high up the rankings. If you had a, a top 20 or top 52 of weeks, I would think in, a, in your professional setting, right? Yeah, no, this is a big week. It's a big week because this is the official handoff from last season to this season. For most of us NFL fans and those around it, it's the first time that we begin to get familiar with some of the top college players as they kind of transition up to the National Football League. So we begin to kind of see the names. Guys are beginning to kind of peruse the Internet, looking at highlight packages. You're trying to figure out which players or names are going to be associated and tied to your best to your, your, your favorite team. Yeah, this is a major stage. And since the National Football League has made it a TV event, it has really become a very prominent event. You know, it was years ago, as, as you guys can attest, the combine used to just kind of take place in that mysterious place of Indianapolis. There were no cameras there. It kind of took place in a quiet stadium. No one saw it. No highlights. You barely got the times. And then they put it on TV. And then from the NFL's perspective, it was, you know, we need to make this a primetime event. We need to make it a TV event. And persistence paid off. It is now a TV event that is on display Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at night. Primetime hour, quarterbacks go first. It used to be the offensive linemen and all those guys that people don't necessarily get excited about. Well, now the first night, Thursday night, it's like your quarterbacks and your pass catchers. And we like, so the offense sells tickets, Bucky. What do you want? The league, the league has done a great job of not only making this event uh, big, but they've made the league calendar where Every month, there's something. The National Football League dominates the headlines 12 months a year. And it's not, cl- I mean, it's not even close. It is crazy. Yeah, I was fortunate or unfortunate, as it were, uh, either one, to be uh, working for the Indianapolis Colts when they first went from secret combine, I would call it, to televised com- combine. And Bucky, you might be able to attest to this. I thought Bill Polian's head was going to explode. Oh yeah. The idea, the, the <laughs> idea, and you know, I, Bill will be the first to tell you, it was a football centric. This is about football. It's going to ruin it. He knew it was coming, and he knew there was no way to avoid it. But the old school football guys didn't like this move at all. Uh, I guess it's a precursor, Bucky, to asking you. Um, does the televised aspect of it, I know the positive, everybody would tell you, you very rarely have guys who don't run at the combine now, or you have, you have mm-hmm. far fewer. So it had that huge benefit for the football people. 
Has there been any negative to it? Or, I mean, is it harder to scout? You've done the behind the scenes stuff. Is that trickier or are they managed to keep that the same? Is it still beneficial to scouts? You know, John, like what's been crazy, like scouts are all uh, up in arms at the beginning of it. Like, oh my God, TV, you're turning into this event. It's not, it's losing the purity of it. It has now become such a deal where you've had teams that aren't sending their scouts because they can see it on TV. So the, the scouts can stay in wow. their cities. They continue to meet. They can watch it on TV. They get the official times from the, 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 the service. Um, and so it prevents, yeah. it prevents you from having to send all your scouts. From, so from an economical standpoint, you have owners who are able to save money um, by keeping their scouts. At home. I want to say the L.A. Rams last year didn't send anybody. You know, maybe just their general manager and the uh, player personnel guy and college director, but all of the regular scouts may have stayed at home. And you've seen a rise in that. I think the best you know thing that is – You know who that does hurt, uh, Bucky? High velocity. Yeah, the, the, the lobby <laughs> bar at the hotel, yes. The lobby bar velocity. takes a hit when that's the truth. That's right. Oh, I mean, look, <laughs> the, the lobby bar has suddenly taken a hit. And now when you have, like, COVID and COVID restrictions, guys have – kind of found ways like we don't need to send the main contingent. But no, I think it's really been positive because, you know, before that you would have a ton of guys that wouldn't work out. Now that it's on TV, guys have grown up seeing the combine and it's kind of become an aspirational event where you want to be a part of it. You want to be the fastest man. You want to be known for the workout that you put on display. So I actually feel like it's been positive, even though it has kind of changed a little bit of way of the combine operates. I was told uh, last week there are at least 800 credentialed media members for this thing now. So it's not just, yes, it's televised. That's part of it, but it's bloggers and draft nicks and people and it's everybody. Just, it's everywhere. And, and fans, fans and right? fans are coming in because you can go watch the bench press. Enough. now. I am old enough. JP uh, Pete Prisco, who I worked with to you, he's been doing this long enough where he can tell you when it was, 10 or 15 media guys. My first one in 2001, believe it or not, they did not bring prospects in to be interviewed by the media. No. We sat in a, uh, yeah. yeah, for Bucky's, I'm sure you weren't uh, brought in. And you would no. have been, second round pick, you would have been a podium guy. Uh, but that's all within the last 20 years that they have brought it in and it's become a show where people are mobbing uh, the podiums and whatnot. So it's, it's definitely changed. I, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's changed. And now that this, I think this is the last year that it's committed to being in Indianapolis. It now becomes a sellable event, just like the draft has been. It now can go on the road. But I have a sneaky suspension that it may end this way up out here in La La Land so we can have that picturesque backdrop like we saw in Super Bowl where the sun is setting. We got the guys running maybe in SoFi and somewhere in Arizona, I kind of feel like it may move that way. See, the, the old bidder. guy in me, the old guy in me, Bucky, I didn't agree back then with Bill that uh, putting it on TV was a mistake. Moving it out of Indy, that does worry me a little bit just because of, of, uh, of uh, the logistics of it. But I'm sure it'll be fine. I'm sure you'll look and say old man John was wrong. But the ease with which that, town hosts it because of the medical etc 
I do think that's a factor that could mean hiccups going forward. The check will clear, and I yeah. think it will go like, wherever that happens. And, John, like, think of it this way. I don't know if you're a foodie or not, but I'm a foodie. So, like, it just gives us more places to explore. Like, we, we have now a potentially a new set of reservations that we can make in a new city to taste – Different cuisine and fair and sample different culture. This should be this should be an exciting time. Bucky, give you me gotta a high fee. Tr- three gotta, di- three yeah. nights a week and put me on a plane, huh? Yeah, three dollar <laughs> Coors Lights. That's fine but with see, but, me. I mean, Bud Light. JP, I don't play in it. What's the ritzy place that that you guys love? H one or whatever it is, where they clear out the tables at the end of the oh, night. Prime. Yeah, Prime. Prime. See, Prime. I'm a I'm a writer, Bucky. I'm not ex player. I I can't afford Prime and let. Unless you're buying, I'll be outside Prime with no, a pizza. See, well, here's a here's a key, John. Now, remember, we haven't done a combine since Bucky's been working with us, so now it could be the first time with Bucky, oh, like we, picking up the tab, doing this, yeah, like, running his on, finger like, around. Let's, yeah, let's one more. It. See, because what yeah. what what I'm gonna do early is I'm gonna make sure I get you nice and full at uh, Steak and Shake. Then right. we'll go to the prime, and then I can put you on like the liquid diet, which will be a little more economical because you're full, your belly's all stuffed with that big old rock in your belly. So that's the key: get you to eat somewhere else. Then that we might go work on me. It won't work on Chad. I was gonna say uh, <laughs> we haven't hung out that often, have we, Bucky? Know your opponent, Bucky. <laughs> know your opponent. <laughs> hey, one more combine thought for me, you know, and I think you made this point, Bucky, earlier this week on Twitter or somewhere, TV, you're on all different kind of media right now. So it's one data point, this combine, all this testing and everything that happens here. And a lot of these credentialed media types will take that and run with it and change mock drafts and mm-hmm. boards and rankings and all these things. But in reality, Inside of a football building and an office and a war room, it doesn't really move that quickly after uh, maybe one bad test or one really positive test at the combine, right? Uh, no, like, and, and I would say this, and I think um, Balky comes from, I th- we're, we're kind of in the same family in terms of like how we were reared in the scouting world. A lot of the work that you want to do is you want to get it done before the combine, meaning you want to put the board up, you want to have prospects kind of stacked and ranked. Um, based on grade prior to the combine and what you want to use the combine for is to kind of separate what we call the clusters meaning when you have like three or four guys that are closely graded based on what we evaluated on tape and then when you go to the combine the testing part becomes a factor who has longer arms who's taller who's bigger who's faster Uh, when we watch them in drills who is more likely to fit into our system better based on what they displayed And then the background stuff in terms of the interviews, Um, not only like getting a a feel of where they come from and how they may um, thrive and prosper in your city, but where is their football intelligence at? How well do they process information? Is it a a situation where, look, hey, we want smart, fast guys, or hey, we're more athleticism over that other stuff. You're trying to sort out the personality and how they fit into the thing. And then I always tell people, and I shouldn't give the secret sauce away, but no matter where you work out, wherever you post your fastest time or your best measurement, by rule, that is the one that we take. So if you go to the combine and you run a 455, but then you go to Fresno State and you run 438, at the end of the process, when you get your draft card, it says your name, Joe John Doe, 439. 
because that's your fastest time. And so really the reason why you want to work at the combine is because if you have a great performance, you're done. You don't have to do any more testing. If you have a bad one, it now gives you an opportunity to make up for it. When you bypass the combine and everything is on your pro day, you don't have a chance to make up for a bad performance. And the bigger point is the combine gives you an opportunity to, to work out in front of every decision maker, general manager, head coach, director of personnel. When you're at your pro day, unless you're some highfalutin guy like John Osher, who's going to command all the attention because he's a top five pick, you may not get all of the decision makers to be on your campus. And so that's why you want to take advantage of the combine. For the Jags, Bucky, who you, I mean, you know, this is such a uh, pedestrian question, but who, you know, in that top group, are you interested in seeing uh, Hutchinson, uh, Thibodeau, Neal, anybody else? If you're a Jags uh, fan watching that out of those high profile guys, what are you looking for? Oh, we're all, we're looking at all the bigs. Our eyes are cast on the trenches. So the days that you normally wouldn't tune into the broadcast, you want to tune in when you see the big guys moving around offensively. You want to think about this being the year that the Jaguars really go all in to make sure that Trevor Lawrence has exactly what he wants. We think about what uh, the Bengals did with Joe Burrow. They went with the playmakers to make sure that he had that. For Jacksonville, I think it's a little different. Yes, you want playmakers, but with the number one pick, it might be a great opportunity to get an offensive tackle or two, depending on what you feel about with Walker Little. Do you want to kick him inside of those things? So at tackle, you're thinking Evan Neal from Alabama, you're thinking Ikem Ikwanu from NC State, and you're thinking about uh, Charles Cross from Mississippi State. Those are the three guys. All of them are closely graded. Uh, depends on stylistically what you want. Evan Neal is probably the more polished of them all in terms of a technician with length and those things. High floor, maybe not the highest ceiling. Ikem Ikwanu is a guy who is just a terror on the outside he just throws guys around like a big old grizzly bear the technique is not exactly what you want because he's just a brute i mean he's just a bully he's a just bouncer. he's a he's a bar bouncer yeah he's that, he's just throwing him out because you're not properly retired or you had too many and he just has to get you out the club that's him and then cross is just he's just an interesting guy because he's such a technician and so when i think about doug peterson what he had at philadelphia when they were great Jason Peters on one side, Lane Johnson on the other side. And I don't think it was a coincidence that all the quarterbacks flourished because they were protected. That is a big deal when we think about the offensive tackles. Let's come back in a moment. Our final thoughts, uh, maybe a couple other position uh, of, of. Yeah, we're talking about the edge rushers coming back. Yeah, edge rushers. That, see, that's what I was trying to say. Edge rushers, when we come back on the Huddle Up podcast. Welcome back to the Huddle Up podcast, J.P. Shadrick. John Osier and Bucky Brooks, the NFL scouting combine next week in Indianapolis. We touched on some of the offensive linemen, uh, Bucky, uh, how about edge rusher? That's another hot name that's being mocked to the Jaguars and two, or at least are, are the biggest of the names that we've seen so far in Thibodeau and, and Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. Um, who else is, who is there anybody else in that realm? Uh, yeah, they actually, they're, it's a really intriguing pass rusher class. Um, Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau are the guys who get the most attention, and that is because the media watch has been on them from the start. It started with everyone being all in on Thibodeau because he was coming off uh, two successful years as a freshman and sophomore that really got your attention. He is 
um, I would say an outstanding athlete who's a bit of a flasher as a player. You, you see these flashes of brilliance and dominance off the edge, but there's a level of inconsistency to his game that makes you like, ah, pause a little bit. Aiden Hutchinson has been, I would say, miscast as the try hard, work hard guy. Like people see him as like, oh, he's just a try hard effort guy that he's Aaron Campman. He's going to do all this and just fight to the end to get the sacks. And I'm telling you that people are making the mistake because when he tests, he is going to be in the top percentile of testers. This is a rare find in terms of being what I call an A plus athlete with A plus skills and tactical ability. And because people just caught the Georgia game and they saw a couple of plays where he got knocked around, they have neglected what he's really put in terms of his resume and body of work. To me, if I'm going to take a pass rush at the top of the board, he's the choice. Beyond that, George Kaloftis from Purdue is interesting, very productive. Purdue has a long history of producing pass rushers. He's one of the tops to ever play there. Um, David Ajobo from Michigan, elite athlete, like freakish athleticism and burst head double-digit sacks this year. And then Jermaine Johnson from Florida State can do it. So there are a lot of intriguing names in that realm. I would say if the Jaguars go that realm, they need a proven pass rusher. They can't necessarily gamble on, hey, we're going to take the athletic guy and develop them. No, the guy who shows up to, to rush the passer opposite Josh Allen, he needs to be a proven commodity because they need someone that can get to the quarterback um, without a lot of seasoning, as I would say. I need him to come ready to play, ready to kind of get to the quarterback. So it sounds like in your mind, you think it's Hutchinson or Neal. Yes, I, I think so. And the reason why is at the top of the board, as much as I would love to hit a home run, you can win a lot of games with doubles. And sometimes people don't like the high floor comment, but part of when you're picking up that high is you just don't want to miss. You want to make sure that the guy that comes in can give you the kind of a production that you're like, okay, I'm good with it. Now, you can roll the dice and take a chance and maybe have someone who has maybe greater potential down the line. But for me, based on what the Jaguars have, yeah, I don't want to gamble. I want to, I want to take the Warren Buffett approach. I want to get the brand name. I want to know exactly what I'm getting. I want to get a good return on the investment and feel good about it. All right. Plenty of draft talk in the weeks ahead. We're, we're only just getting started. It is February 23rd, of course. So um, this time next week, uh, John, you and Bucky will be in Indy. I'll be there later in the week next week. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we'll at some point do this all again, probably after the combine is over. How about that? Yeah, we got to get together to talk about it because it's going to be exciting. It's an exciting time. I know the excitement is not the same as it was last year with the Trevor Lawrence thing, but this should be an exciting time because not only did the Jazz get the first pick in the first round, but the beginning of the second round has become a very valuable pick. Either you cash in and get a hidden play, a player that kind of unexpectedly falls out the first round, or you trade it away, you get some valuable pickups to get more players to help the team. I like it. I like it, John. Yeah, Wheeling and, and I would expect too, JP, that, you know, Next week is historically when you start hearing more uh, solid speculation on free agents. You know, because people are talking. So all the agents we'll are there. Everybody's in town. On, uh, yeah. on what's going on with Cam Robinson, DJ Chark. Uh, maybe not because teams uh, do keep that quiet. But my guess is you'll start hearing a little better idea, particularly free agency, what free agents from other teams are, are in reality going to be out there 
rather than just being on a list right now. So it's it's an important week for that as well. A lot coming up for the Jaguars and in the National Football League. And oh, the, let me say this. So yes, just, just before you guys know, I want you to know that I have reserved. I'm look, I'm clearing the I'm clearing the balance on the credit card and I'm giving you guys a couple of uh, adult beverage coupons if you choose to utilize them while we're away. Uh, well, they'll be. Is that a question? Build up for that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I was like, I was like, comma, but or comma, and what's the second? I thought, okay, well, yeah, that's. No, we, no, we better don't. define a few, chief. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Are we good. We'll, we'll see you guys in uh, Indianapolis. John Ozier, Jaguars.com senior writer, NFL Network analyst, Bucky Brooks. I'm JP Shadrick. We'll catch you next time on the Huddle Up podcast.